Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have a fascinating guest with me. He's a director, producer, actor, instigator. I'm assuming a NASA pilot somewhere in there, probably. He is the amazing Mr. Charles Agron. <sighs> An introduction like that. Thank you very much. I'm going to take astronaut school next week, I think. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's we always have to aspire to something. Uh, my aspirations may be smaller. It's uh, the aspiration: do I choose the Mars bar or the Twix? But uh, <laughs> hey, not a bad place to be in between. What can right, I say? Right. Well, I I have to start at the beginning. I mean, we're definitely going to want to talk a little bit, or maybe a lot, uh, about your new film that's coming about on the sixteenth, Altered Reality. But I like to kind of know a little bit more. I, I was digging and I was digging. And in my research, it's like, there's not a lot about your past that I could find like anywhere. How did you get into the industry? That's always the fascinating thing for me because everybody's trajectory is completely different into it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was asked that before because, um, you know, people look like to look on over in the IMDb and they were like, you must have done more things than what was on the IMDb. And it's true. And I've just sort of had this opinion. Um, you know, I, I'm always just trying to be better and better. I'm not sort of worried about like the accolades or just, you know, an extra credit under my name or that type of thing. But, um, you know, way back when, um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what to do. I was pre-law, pre-med, was very confused, uh, ended up working in D.C. as a lobbyist for some time. <clears throat> and um, I had a, a friend from it's so funny because uh, she was a, a, a celebrity realtor. And she was actually a, a, a pioneer in, um, in in television in some ways, sort of these, because um, like you've seen these like shot, what are they, uh, Buying Sunset and those type of, um, you know, TV shows, you know, she she dipped her toes in that. And she actually um, recommended that I get go to an acting school in Los Angeles. And I was living in D.C. at the time and, you know, ultimately some back and forth. And I decided to kind of uh, jump over to this side of the country again, you know, born in L.A., um, came back and, um, you know, got involved. And, um, you know, I was trying to think of how many shorts I've done. And, and I mean, it's in the hundreds. And it's 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 pretty funny because I remember way back when, you know, everybody sort of wanted to get to the same place and nobody knew how to get there type of thing. And, um, you know, had a lot of, you know, like-minded friends, some that were very talented, some who are today, you know, have directed TV shows or written TV shows or been on TV shows. But at the time, we were just, you know, kids with dreams. And, um, you know, sometimes people ask me, you know, why why do you write and act and produce in, in your projects? You know, and it's like I produced films that I wasn't didn't act or write in. But why do you always act in the films that you've written and you produce? And um, it's a kind of an interesting because I had to kind of think about it for a little bit. And I thought to myself, well, that's what we had to do back then you know it's not like we had these big budgets it's not like we had you know connections with the studios or anything like that it's like you were the gaffer you were lighting you were you know you were the ad you were everything and so was everybody else and um you know if you you didn't write your script you didn't have one and so we would put together shorts and you know we would help each other out and we would do favors and we wouldn't charge anybody for any of our work and that that's sort of like the genesis of um you know, from sort of where it started, just um, 
you know, working hard with some like-minded people that were talented. And, um, you know, that was sort of the, the foundation. Well, when you're writing, I mean, this is, this is your baby. This is your idea that you're germinating and, and trying to create it in as close a way to the way that you imagine as possible. What is the hardest part of the process? I, I would think if you were creating something, sharing that with another writer that is going to make changes or people that are going to interpret it differently might be a difficult mental process. Do you find that difficult or do you find it liberating? It's like, oh, I never even thought about looking at it this other way. You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I kind of react in like several ways. Um, you know, one thing is, is that, you know, you talk about sort of like the critical acclaim of, of whatever you're going to, you know, create. And, you know, that's kind of like a com compartment in your head that you have to be very um, strong with, very secure with, because um, not everyone is so on board with one person kind of um, taking off and others not taking off. You know, there's there seems to be um, rivalries, per se. So you have to be ready that when if you really have to trust the people you show your works to for, for a variety of reasons, you have to worry about people stealing ideas. And also the critique that you get, it's sometimes you're just going to get criticism and it's worthless. You could you could write a masterpiece and it's just going to be critiqued. But if you if there's someone that you really do trust um, and, and they give you some ideas or some pointers or, or maybe most importantly, things that aren't clear, which is probably the biggest issue, because like you said, it's in your mind and you're trying to put pen to paper. Um, then you know that you can trust that that person really is having some trouble understanding the script. But um, for me. I, I, I sort of, it's it's funny because Altered Reality, I, I wrote it in three days, but it, it's not actually true because I had the idea in my head for so long that it's been edited and edited so many times that I really have to sit down and I have to get it all out because you can't go back to it because it's not the same. And so it's really important for me to basically lock myself away somewhere, get it out there and listen, you're going to edit it and edit it and edit it. And you could probably edit a movie that you've written for the next five or 10 years. At some point you have to know when to put it down. But sort of those are the sort of the trials and tribulations for myself. It's like, you know, finding the time, kind of getting the concept out. But once the concept is there, it, it's ready, you know, it's, it's ready to be born. So when you're writing these stories, do you approach it in the sense of say uh, a novelist would write something or do you think in terms of panels and scenes and write it in a way that you know you know somebody that's writing a play or somebody that's even writing a comic book something that we love here at uh, our show uh, goes about it how does it appear in your head well it's it's funny because i it's very important to me i i want the audience to think after they leave one of my movies and when i say think I don't want to be polemical. I don't want to tell you how to think. I want you to leave the theater and kind of think about where you're at in your life and sort of did, you know, how how did and some of the messaging um, kind of resonate with you and where you're at and some of the decisions you made. You know, I don't, you know, I want someone to leave, to leave and they don't necessarily have to be thinking scene by scene. But like if they're just like I've impacted them um you know, somehow, some way that that's a win for me. And so that that's sort of, you know, the, the blueprint for me is like how how to go from the beginning to the end. And I also have to create strong characters. I, I you know, it's frustrating to me because sometimes um, 
you know, characters in a movie can just be kind of like placeholders to get you from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And there's a lot of like, I don't know, just random cussing or, you know, just stuff that's just filler. Um, I try to design characters that are smart and then um, are impactful. Um, and another thing that's important to me is that is the idea that sometimes good people can have moments when they're bad and bad people there's moments when they can be good. And I think that I also try to be provocative in in trying to stay ahead of the viewer, you know, giving enough information, but starting from a place that maybe isn't always from the beginning, but just a piece of information to kind of toy with um, people's judgments. And I do that in altered reality. I set up a scene and I, I have a lot of people sort of start heading in one direction. And by the time they're done with the film, it's a very different direction. So I, I and I do that because I want to keep everyone engaged as well and um, kind of on a roller coaster so that it's exciting from the beginning to the end. So, you know, when you when you ask me, how do I um, kind of approach it? I, I bet you it would be kind of like um, parts of those different styles that you suggested, but a bit unique as well. I, I can see how having that flexibility would definitely be useful. I remember an interview with Kevin Smith a number of uh, years ago where he was talking about the production of Red State approaching it in a very similar way to what you're describing there and trying to keep people on their toes, not, not do what is expected. But that mm -hmm. could produce what he ran into where he kind of wrote himself into a corner. Has that ever happened to you in the production of any of your stories thus far? Have Or have you already, or always had a very clear mind? It's like, I know this is where we're ending. And I know I just have to get to that point. You know, I think um, an issue I've had is like at some point, you know, you do have to have a payoff for the audience. And sometimes it's like, you know, a secret or, or information that they need to know. Because, you know, when you're doing like a psychological thriller with, you know, sci-fi aspects, you know, the audience does have to have a leap of faith. And so it's like you have to kind of um, get on that seesaw of, you know, exposition. You don't want to be too much, but you don't want to leave people confused as well. That that has been, um, um, I guess, something that I've dealt with in my writing. It's sort of like, you know, if, if you do have the beginning, and you know where you want to be. Sometimes you, you have to sort of um, you want to give enough, but not too much where someone's like that. You know, that's just not believable. You know, so I've, I've had. Um, that's one of the points where I've gotten kind of, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word stuck, but um, unresolved because you certainly have plenty of ideas, right. but they're not all the right way to go. So now I know in the past in uh, some other interviews that you've had, you've mentioned that you prefer practical effects to CGI, um, which got me to thinking, especially in the genres that you tend to play in talking about science fiction and horror and things like that, that, uh, a practical effect when done right can have such um, a strong impact on the viewer, even if it's something that's subtle. Do you have, um, in the way of influences, if you had to, I mean, I know you've uh, talked about Stephen King being a big influence, but just from the practical effects, if you were to think of any specific individuals or movies, what kind of stuck with you when you watched when you were younger and it's like you wanted to bring that forward with you in the creation of your projects? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was really impacted by like you know not not only Stephen King but the Twilight Zone series, and and really the the whole my kind of what impressed me most about The Shining, and, and I know people ask me a lot about that, but there was it's it's a scene that is probably, I mean, obviously that movie was great for a multitude of reasons, from the acting to the sets to the you know, the writing, you know, and so on, but. I, I really liked it when the little boy was was playing in the um, just playing in one of the halls, and it wasn't the scene when the twins come up. It was a scene where a, a ball rolls into the room, into the into frame. And I mean, I was pretty young when I saw this movie, and I mean that scared me to death, to the point where it like stuck with me, like for a long time. Like you know, the idea that something so simple. And mundane could be so scary. I was highly impressed. And so that's why, you know, certainly, you know, a, a lot of these big movies use a lot of CGI and so forth. And they're very, people are very good at it and, and, and so forth. But like for me, to be so impressed by something so simple, I guess, was what was, you know, I was really taken aback upon. I, and, I, and in terms of like the Twilight Zone series, they would really touch upon kind of like like taboo ideas and fears and and things that people wouldn't even touch that were really had psychological effects and i think that there's nothing that can be scarier than what is in your head it's like the monster behind the door there's nothing that i can create and put on screen that that is scarier so what i want to do is, is recreate that monster behind the door like those type of moments or or decision makings that make you uncomfortable you know, it's like in, in altered reality, it's um, it's kind of like the sliding doors moment. Like, do you trust? Do you not trust? And what do you do if you make a decision that you wish you didn't? I think we've all have dealt with that type of situation. And then what do you do with the consequences? I mean, it can be a horrible feeling to have made the wrong decision and to then be stuck with what, what the future holds. I always felt, uh, friends of mine have always said I've been too picky when it comes to horror films, but I, I don't think I'm picky so much as I'm just spoiled by the good stuff. You know, when you know, thinking back to what you were talking about, the people that uh, do it right, you know, that, that create that that ambiance, thinking of Stephen King adaptations, uh, Silver Bullets, the scene on the bridge where the, the kid gets stuck on his uh, uh, wheelchair on the bridge. There's really nothing frightening in those frames but just the setup with what you think is coming is is what does it but you know thinking back to things like uh, american werewolf in london the practical effects on the transformation scenes are just fantastic those sorts of things have always stuck with me what is your favorite um what is your favorite genre to play in are, are you that uh, do you have a favorite genre or do you want to kind of explore everything well you know it, it's 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 tough. I mean, I've I've you know I've produced you know, you know, I, I've produced dramas as well. Um, I, I but when you're talking about the kind of like the fa you know favorite genre, I have like for instance, I've got a um, organized crime film that that I want to have made next. Um, the thing about kind of like the sci-fi, like the sci-fi thriller, is you really are given the ability to to kind of take a leap of faith. And, and and that's sort of what excites me is that you can, you know, play with topics that aren't real, but they are. Do you know what I'm saying? It's oh, like yeah. the messaging or like the subject or the insecurities are real, even though the um, the situations aren't. And so um, 
you know, in altered reality, I mean, there's, you know, a time shift and, and obviously, you know, you know, I've never experienced that in, in real life, but you can deal with the drama of that circumstance. And, and that's sort of fun with me. And that's, that certainly is an area that I like to play in. Well, there's a, there's a good question right there. There's been so much done with time travel and, uh, you know, ad adjusted perceptions to reality or understanding, you know, you know, the multiverse is real big still for, for the moment, things like that. When you approached doing a time travel story, do you have a preferred interpretation of how time works? Was there, was there something that kind of hits like, I, I prefer the, uh, you know, the one universe, nothing can ever be changed. Or do you prefer the, the, the multiple realities created from every decision? Where does your mind feel most comfortable when you're going at the time travel question? So for this movie, I prefaced it with wonder if the past, present and future existed at the same time. And in, in terms of trying to put like a fresh kind of perspective, um, I, I focus sort of on the on the drama and thriller aspects of that capability, as opposed to just kind of exploiting that capability in sort of like a genre-esque style. So, um, you know, going back to like how it's important to me to create, you know, dramatic, important characters, obviously they're impacted by by this. And I deal with, um, you know, if, if, if things may be, um, we're going a certain direction, but now they're going a different direction, sort of the dramatic effects that um, can happen. So it's it's more of a it's it's more of a backdrop. You prefer a character-driven story rather than characters reacting just purely to what happens around them. Um, In some ways, yeah. In some ways, yeah. Trying to you know just try to kind of maximize the impact of what's going on. That makes sense to me. Um, so I have to ask you about a couple of your, your older films. Um, but before we, you know, get into some more questions about altered reality, I, I wondered what it was like, you know, I asked you the question about the different genres and uh, the one film that kind of stuck out to me, uh, as just being a little, this one is not like the others sort of a moment is, uh, and the winner isn't, uh, the, that you, uh, helped to produce that particular documentary. How did you get involved with that? It looked like, it just looks like so much fun. Well, you know, Jeffrey Moore, I, I had a meeting with Jeffrey Moore and what we really wanted to do was some of the music was outstanding in that film. And we tried to create a blueprint in, in order to try to win an Academy award for it. And so, um, you know, as you, I mean, it, it certainly we're stepping out of like, um, like the drama and well, it kind of is dramatic trying to get some of the people to, to kind of, um, you know, get involved because there's a, a wonderful list of cameos in that film. Um, but what we did is, is, um, we were able to get that thing qualified for an Oscar, an Academy Award. And we got it to the point where it was on the shortlist, which is the next, the, the next level before nomination. Wow. And unfortunately, we didn't get there. But we did have a great time trying to make it happen. The, the music is great. And I think that it's um, the type of music that brings people together. And, uh, you know, I had fun. I had fun doing it. And there was a lot of um, very fun people involved. 
Yeah, it just it seems like such a fun, you know, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of uh, uh, a way to take everybody on a journey through a process that so many people just don't even think about whatsoever. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a lot of fun, and it's um some of the same frustration that you see in the film is is real. <laughs> so like you know, trying to get callbacks and you know people to return emails and that type of thing. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun. Uh, I've noticed you also tend to work with certain actors, uh, you know, like anything else. You establish relationships. You know, there seems to be people that you know you can, you know, get certain things out of and that you enjoy their work. Um, and you've got um, a couple of them in alternate reality with uh, uh, Tobin Bell and Lance Henriksen. Do you – do you have that same kind of uh, is is it just happenstance or are you just like hey I, I I love you guys I want to put you in as many things as I possibly can? Well, it's a little bit of both, I guess. Um, you know, making movies is really hard, and um, you know I've I've learned a lot from Lance. I learned a lot from Tobin. You know, almost like um, I almost feel like a, you know a lot of things I've learned in filmmaking is I've almost been an apprentice. You know, and I've kind of just let everything kind of you know you know settle in and and, and continue to learn. Um, you know, I've worked with, um, you know, obviously uh, Tobin in Dark House and Lance Monday at 11.01 a.m. prior. And I mean, to say that, I mean, you, I mean, you learn so much from from these guys just every day, the way they approach things, <clears throat> you know, very different styles. You know, Tobin is very surgical in how he approaches his script and, um, you know, takes it very seriously and um you know kind of wants to map it out and and, and just kind of you know nail the scene in that direction um lance keeps you on your feet he brings so much i mean he's been in so many movies it, there's no scenario that he isn't comfortable with and um <clears throat> what's so great about great about that is um you you become very comfortable acting in kind of, of uh, different types of situations i mean lance will really keep you on your toes so um you know, going back to the idea, though, that, it, it, you know, making movies, are it, it's hard work, especially, you know, you're an independent trying to um, make a movie that, you know, goes toe to toe with studio caliber films. And what I've learned is that um, if you have people that are talented and that are reliable and are team players, those are the type of people I love to work with. And, uh, you know, I would love to work with them again and again and again. You know, and another person that was fantastic is the director, Don Falkroy. He did an incredible job. I mean, he has done incredible things. And yet I still feel like he's underrated some in some ways because, um, you know, I, he continues to do great things. And I, I just think that he's going to do bigger and bigger movies. I mean, he's just he's fantastic as well. I mean, really, that set was like a family I mean, you've got, I mean, honestly, you've got Tobin Bell, Lance Henriksen. I mean, these are like legends, Ed Asner. And um, yet, you know, you got some, we had some new, very talented actresses and they just, you know, they were part of the family as well. So it's like nobody kind of got ostracized for level of um, kind of career accomplishments. We just went in there and we knocked it out. So I have to expect maybe, you know, this may be just my imagination or, you know, the way that I would wish it would go would go if I were on on set. But you're talking about um, Fauntleroy. I mean, he going back to Raging Bull and Goonies and uh, being on shows like Beauty and the Beast and and you know, movies like uh, Terminator Two and even that stuff as recent as Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. He's got to have some stories. 
<laughs> do you get to get to enjoy some some regaling of some behind the scenes just some fun stuff does anything stick out to you that you could share with us oh i can, I can share a few things with you and you when you when you become a family you do you know you do certainly i mean these are some sometimes it's a very stressful cir circumstances not because anybody is you know you know, doing anything they're not supposed to be, but there's time crunches, there's weather issues, you know, something didn't show up on time, you know what I mean? All kinds of stuff like that happens. But I mean, I, you know, I remember Lance, I mean, he's such a character. Um, he, he likes to keep kind of like the crew on their toes. I and mean, that's what he likes to do, especially if someone is hypersensitive saying, you know, like trying to protect Lance, oh, this is Lance Henriksen. He, you know, you have to, you know, so you know what one day he's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go hang out in my my trailer but he decided to smoke a cigarette under the 18 wheeler you know and so we've got some you know actors coming back for background or some day players type of thing and they're like is that and it's like it is that's lance lance is under the 18 wheeler smoking a cigarette or an another time he wanted to um check out that we we filmed in this beautiful old home in augusta mm -hmm. georgia and he wanted to go check out the upstairs. And so I, I, you know, I won't mention who, but somebody who is, um, you know, once again, just making sure everything's going okay, you know, gets when they're like, well, you know, I, I heard Lance Henriksen wants to go hang out on the roof. And Lance looks at me like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out on the roof. And so they literally run upstairs and because they're like, oh, you know, for insurance purposes, we don't want Lance on the roof. And like, Lance is looking at me like, <laughs> Like, 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 I don't know. So those are some of the fun, like some fun stories. Um, I know a couple of late nights with, with um, Tobin. I mean, you're, you're working all night long and you're sitting there and you're getting like delirious. Sometimes you're so tired and you're just like sitting there joking around. Uh, it's just, it's, it can be a lot of fun, you know, a lot of fun or sometimes like something's not working or the lighting it's just, the light bulbs all went out. It's 4.30 in the morning. And you kind of just look at each other and you just start smiling and laughing because it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just been a long day. So there's a couple fun stories. Every, you know, all the time there's fun stuff going on. I, I love it. That 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 works for me. It just, I, I can imagine the, uh, I, I'm seeing it in comic panels, them racing to the top, see who gets there first. So <laughs> they can win that. So, so that Lance race. doesn't tightrope on the roof. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Uh, so one of the things I noticed in at least, uh, at least it feels like in the presentation, would, would I be right to say that, um, you try to use color as, um, uh, uh, not just a mood setter, but kind of an indicator as part of the story in altered reality. It looks like there's a lot of fun play with the color on that. So, um, you know, I made a movie Monday at 11 one AM. You know, it was um, sort of my entry into into the industry in some ways. You know, I had done Dark House, but this was my first kind of baby. And I know that, um, the uh, you know, critics have an opinion and then the fans have another opinion. And I went in there thinking, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to be edgy. Now, that's a chord that has never left me. And so, you know, you sort of, when you ask, like, how are you going to do things different with the altered realities? So then you kind of go away from your typical, you know, kind of sort of time travel type uh, genre film. I think the coloring of the film 
is my edge on this one. And, um, you know, it, it, it serves for multiple purposes, but I, I'm, I'm very proud of the way it came out. We definitely took some chances with it, but I think that for this movie, that's where that edge is sort of instilled. That's sort of that outside kind of signature mark. That's, that's different from, um, other films. Well, it definitely comes across at least, at least I felt it you know, when I, when I was, when I was watching and just, uh, I don't know if I want to say sepia tone, but I mean, just just the wash that's applied to certain scenes. It's it's it really I felt enhanced what was there and kind of helped kind of bring the feeling that was intended for it. I just I thought that was really kind of nice, and I, I like little little bits, little tweaks like that 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 can make things interesting. Do you have any other kind of, you know, other not, not like the Alfred Hitchcock I'm going to walk by in every scene sort of thing, but do you have any other signature things that you like to apply to your works? Well, I'll tell you, you know, like like I said, I like to keep the edge. It, you know, t- time is very important to me. I guess really um for something that I create, I, you know, I am interested in acting in, in the films that I write. I, someone, I was asked that before, and that is something that is, you know, a, a signature. The edginess has to be there. And and the idea that um, characters aren't always consistent are important to me. You know, like I said, you know, if you're someone is generally a certain way, you know, every once in a while you've got a bad day. And that's something that I, I think that my audience will kind of start to understand Um you know, in Monday, you know, I tried to do something very different. Um, the, you know, the, the main character, Michael, came off as kind of being, um, once again, kind of edgy and maybe, you know, not the nicest guy when it starts for the purposes of kind of rounding him to a different place based on the circumstances that happen. So I guess that, I, you know, I guess to make, a, you know, the long story short, I'm, I'm willing to take chances. And that's sort of the beauty of being kind of like in the independent world. Um, is that, um, you know, obviously the studios, they know what they're doing and they're good at what they're doing. I'm certainly not criticizing them, but they sort of have their, they have their blueprint. They've got their game plan. They've got, you know, superhero films or you'll see like, you know, number one, number two, number, you know, that type of thing. For me, what's exciting is that I feel like I can go toe to toe with those types of movies, but I don't have the strings attached. And so we can kind of come up with ideas that are different and i'm telling you there's there's an audience for people that don't want the typical you know cookie cutter type of film so absolutely so okay before we run out of time i always have a handful of questions i like to ask everybody and they're super important because they have nothing to do with anything and they're just fun at least i find them to be so Mm -hmm. uh so one of them, I, I want to start with uh, uh, just a, a general question. Are you a comic book fan? You talked about the comic book movie there for a moment. Are you? Were you ever somebody read comics? Is that something that's close to you, or is that something that's like that's never been a thing for me? You know, as a kid, I, I used to collect them, but it's been a while. But, but you know, certainly like, the, you know, everybody had their favorite superhero type of thing. So who, who, was, who was the one? If you went to the racks, the, the first comic that you would go for when you were a kid, what was that comic? That was Batman. Ah, good. I guessed well. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, well, how about this? If you had your choice to play any character from the comics, it just somehow just landed on your lap. It's ready to go. The script is done. We need a person. We love you. We want you to be it. Who would you play? 
Oh, I mean, this is, you're going to say this is so obvious, but it's like the Joker comes to mind because of how well it's been played before. Mm. I think that, I mean, what a, what a fantastic character to try to get into the mind of, um, and then come on, who doesn't want to fly? I'll be Superman. <laughs> well, I, I always like to cast everybody that I talk to. I'm the imaginary mm -hmm. cast casting director and it's like if i were to put you in a in a part just judging from the stuff that i've seen you in so far one thing that leapt to mind is, is it's going to sound silly it's you know thinking back to the old uh, lois and clark television shows mm -hmm. uh, uh, back in the, the late 90s at this point um it's like oh what if what if you could be a slightly reinterpreted uh mr mitzpidlick because you know that was you know, they started going in a slightly different because you you talking about that edge. You can get that edge and be kind of a more not sinister, but a more concerning kind of play on this omnipotent little imp. Yeah, I mean that sounds fun. I like that. I kind of like like playing around with that sort of that space, like the mind of uh, someone who's um, you know maybe maybe intelligent, but maybe not on uh, you know the right path. <laughs> that that would be that would be fun to play with. So okay, well then we're gonna go. We're gonna continue with this omnipotent side uh, because this okay. is another question I ask everybody. It's the 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 traditional. Uh, you're you're in Orange County. You go out to eat. You end up at mm -hmm. a nice restaurant and you see yeah. this fantastic lamp that's on your table and you brush off some dust and poof, genie pops out, sits in the seat next to you and he's like, "It's exactly what you think it is. You get three wishes, except." I'm a Hollywood genie, so the only wishes that I can grant is to let you work with any three individuals that you would love to work with. If you had a choice, somebody you've not worked with before that you'd love to, who would you put on that list? Okay, Jack Nicholson. That would definitely be on the list. I mean, he's just so brilliant. Uh, you know, you know, the love of his performance in The Shining, that would definitely come to mind. Oh gosh. And then you mentioned the Joker. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're, we're talking about sort of like the superhero films. I mean, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger come to mind off the top. I mean, I think I would have to pick one of those, but I've always wanted to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's somebody that I, I would love to talk to about a project, but between Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, that is so mm. tough. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll go with um, I'll go with Heath Ledger, but it's very difficult because yeah, that's rough. very deep acting, very um, can go to places that not too many people can go to. They both commit when they mm -hmm. go into a role, and it's just uh, too much fun. All right, something a little less um, a little less impactful, but still just fun. Uh, part of Everybody Loves Pudding. The whole purpose of our podcast is bring everybody together and talk about things that. You know, just makes us all feel a little bit better. And mm -hmm. one of those things is food. So are you a pizza person? And if you are, what kind of pizza person are you? You're going to make fun of me. I like I like pizza, but I like, like, you know, like the gluten-free cauliflower crust. But I actually like the fro frozen Costco one. Huh. Yeah. Can you imagine? 
I like the frozen Costco one. I hate that's the first. There's no wrong answer. It's food. It's the things that yeah. bring us together. And that even if yeah. some of us may look slightly askance at some of the others of us for eating certain things, hey, it's 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 all good. It's all good unless it breaks out in hives. <laughs> Well, I want to remind you, dear listeners, do not forget February 16th, Altered Reality comes out. It's going to be everywhere. You've got to go see it. Uh, if you love sci-fi, if you love time travel, if you love something that's going to challenge the way that you think, get to the theaters and see this film. And beyond that, if you want to find out what Mr. Charles Agron is going to be doing. What are the best ways that we can follow you on social media? Really check out alteredrealitymovie.com and kstreetpictures.com. We kind of get an idea of everything that we're working on. And uh, yeah, we're very excited. Movies coming out nationwide and I hope everybody checks it out. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Hopefully when you have something else come out, we'll get to talk to you again. I had a lot of fun. I look forward to it. <laughs>